Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 149, According to Their Desire. So Alma chapter 29, like I said last week, is part of what I call the joy chapters. Chapters in the Book of Mormon where they teach us what true joy is. You see, the world defines it as a state of happiness or delight that we experience when we finally have obtained some sort of status or well-being, some sort of success or good fortune. And no wonder we struggle with achieving joy. Joy, by this definition, can often remain just out of our reach, or at least it can easily be diminished when we start comparing ourselves to others and what their good fortune is and what their success is and how they define well-being. This is all a distortion of joy because joy is actually a fruit of the Spirit that comes in and through Jesus Christ. Joy is found in Jesus. Joy is found in loving others and in rejoicing in their redemption. And joy is found in our redemption and the love that we possess for God, others, and ourselves. So remember, J is for Jesus, O is for others, and Y is for you, and that is joy. And in chapter 29, we learn that joy is experienced based on the desires of our heart. And because the podcast was getting rather long last week, I decided to just make this an episode that stands on its own because our desires are huge. They can either be a stumbling block or they can be an open door to whether or not we experience joy. And in my coaching business, we begin actually by exploring our desires. We try and get really clear about them. We try and get into honesty, actually being honest with what it is that we truly desire, because sometimes we think we have a desire that sounds really pretty and righteous, but for some reason, our actions aren't taking us there. And that's because our thoughts are kind of out of alignment. We've chosen something that might sound pretty, but it's not something we're ready for yet. So it's like putting first things first and getting really clear on what needs to come before kind of reaching that ultimate goal. Does that make sense? It helps us to be able to get some momentum so that we're in alignment and working towards those desires. But also we get really honest about what is our business or in other words, what is actually in our power. I teach that our power of agency resides in our thoughts, in our words, in our feelings, in our actions. And that when we try and get either into God's business about the way the world should work or the way that people should be treated or in God's timing, or when we get in the business of others, which is trying to control what they think or what they say or control how they feel and act, we are actually out of our business and we're out of our light because our light resides in our agency, in our business. And when we step out of our light and try and get into somebody else's light and control there, mm -mm, we don't take our, our light with us. We're stepping into their light, which makes us in their shadow. Does that make sense? 
And I think this is where we find Alma at the beginning of chapter 29. In verse 3, Alma confides to us that he is just a man and he sins in his wish. Well, that automatically makes me wake up a bit and ask the question, what was Alma's wish? Why does, why does he believe he's sinning right now, especially in his wish? Alma's wish was that he wishes he were an angel, and that sounds lovely, right? And he wishes that he could have the wish of his heart, which is that he might go forth and speak with the trump of God, with a voice to shake the earth and cry repentance unto every people, exclamation point. He says that he would declare unto every soul, as with the voice of thunder, repentance and the plan of redemption, that they should repent and come unto our God, that there might not be more sorrow upon all the face of the earth. Now on the surface, I think this wish or this desire sounds righteous and lovely, right? Essentially what Alma is wishing is that everyone, that they participate and that they repent, just like he and the sons of Mosiah did. He wants everyone to have the same experience and outcome that they had. He wishes that he could be that angel that did that for him, that he could speak with thunder, maybe shake the ground underneath their feet a little bit, teaching repentance so that he could eliminate sorrow from the earth. And in some ways, it still sounds a bit lovely until you zoom in more and see that his wish is that everyone should repent. That if left up to him, they wouldn't sin. And that sorrow would no longer be. And that would be removing everyone's agency, right? And there we see that Alma's desire, though I believe it's still coming from a really good place, but his desire isn't God's plan. It's not the way that God has set things up. God desires, of course, to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of man if we choose it. And if all of us were to be visited by an angel with a voice like a trumpet, how many of us wouldn't respond to that? How many of us would submit out of fear? But it wouldn't be our choice. It wouldn't be our desire. God would not have any more claim upon our hearts. That would be more conforming, wouldn't it? And I don't believe that God wants conformers. He wants witnesses. He wants the real deal. And I love how Alma includes in his writings for us, his musings. And he shows us that this wish is actually contrary to God's plan. A God who is just, who is just in his work that he assigns us to do. He knows what he's doing. And he also is just in the parameters that he's given our agency. He's also just in the work that he's doing among us. He's not going to force us to repent. He may give us a very clear opportunity, like he did for Alma and the sons of Mosiah, but he's not going to force our will because he's just. Alma teaches us that God actually granteth unto men according to their desires. And that tells me two things. Number one, we're supposed to have desires. What are yours? And number two, we better be really careful and intentional with what those desires are because he will grant them. So what is it that we desire? Is it salvation or destruction? 
<laughs> Those are the choices that the prophet Alma presents to us. And it sort of sounds like a no-brainer at first until you realize that our us mortals, we kind of really struggle with this choice. What is our desire? And in verse 5, Alma describes the dilemma that we face. Yea, and I know that good and evil have come before all men. He that knoweth not good from evil is blameless. But he that knoweth good and evil, to him it is given according to his desires, whether he desireth good or evil, life or death, joy or remorse of conscience. So these are the spectrums that we can measure our focus and our desires upon. Is our will moving us towards good or to evil? Are we facing eternal life or is our back to it and we're facing death? Are we moving towards joy, which is Jesus and redemption? Or are we moving towards remorse of conscience? I know for some that this might sound really black and white and make you uncomfortable because you think that there's so many degrees in between the two. And I actually think that's the point. I think with agency, we take responsibility of where we fall along these spectrums. And I actually, it actually gives me hope because wherever I am, the degree that I am on those spectrums, there's progress to be made. Yes, there's slippage, but I don't pay attention to that because I'm in the game of progress. That's my desire. And so it shows me that I can see where am I at on that and what's the next right step to keep moving towards it. Alma found joy in the Lord's commandments. And he also found it in the wisdom of God. You see, it feels so good to know that you are in capable hands because you chose God. And you just know that he, everything's going to work out. And that's joy. Also, Alma found joy in being an instrument in the hands of God to bring some soul to repentance. And do you see how Alma went from declaring unto every soul that that was his first wish? And he's now modified it to some soul. And that adjustment in his desire, it actually immediately opens himself up to joy because now it isn't forcing his will onto others. Now it's just experiencing that joy in the redemption of a soul, knowing that it's completely up to them in their agency and that when they choose it, they're giving their heart to God. However, Alma acknowledges that the redemption of others, like seeing so many of his brethren come unto God, that that does fill him with a lot of joy. And then remembering what the Lord has done for him, how the Lord has heard his prayers and extended his merciful arm to Alma. Or he, he enjoys remembering the deliverance of his fathers. Now, it's not just, uh, you know, the Israelites from Egypt. But remember, Alma is a witness of his father's own deliverance from bondage. Remember the people of Alma? Remember how they lived in the land of Helam and how they were delivered? Reflecting upon that and also reflecting upon the establishment of God's church, that brings Alma joy. But most important, reflecting on the success of his brethren 
And I believe he's referring to Ammon and the sons of Mosiah. But you know, at this point, he could be referring to Amulek. Who knows what Amulek's doing right now? We know he's probably doing some good. Remember Zizram, who definitely is an example of all of this, that his redemption story is joy. Who knows what they're doing? And I'm sure Alma is finding joy in that as well. And that the finding joy in the righteous labors of his brethren and how they're bringing so many Lamanites unto repentance who are also his brethren. Alma says he experienced great joy. So again, if you desire to have more joy in your life, ask yourself, where is my focus? Am I focused on Jesus Christ and on his true character and his attributes? Am I finding joy in the success of others, in their redemption, in the labors of others who are laboring in a good cause? Am I rightly focused on my redemption and on my relationship with Jesus Christ? Or am I a little too focused on me? Am I relying too much upon my own strength and what I bring to the table and not necessarily focusing or recognizing how the Lord's strength is playing a hand in my life? Am I comparing? Am I afraid that the success of others and the joy that they're experiencing in their life is actually a threat to my joy? That's something to look at too, isn't it? If so, I encourage you to practice believing that nothing has gone wrong with you, that nothing has gone wrong for you, that everything is going as it should, that good things are not only coming your way, but they're happening right now today. And it's your job to look for them and to take note and to write them down. I'm telling you, I encourage you to play the tender mercy game. I encourage you to give all the credit to God. Finally, check your desires and your wishes and make sure that they're in alignment with the power of your agency that you've been given. Are you in control and are you managing your thoughts, your words, your feelings, and your actions? And what are you creating with them? That is where your power resides. Your power to create and partner with God who will grant you your desires. That's a good place to find joy. <laughs>